when there's something big happening or there's a uh, considerable discussion that needs to be had, we usually sit around the kitchen table and have this discussion and talk about things. And so um, I do want to read to you the letter that you got this week about the 10 a.m. service. Uh, it could be some confusion. Um, I know that um, a few weeks ago uh, we were getting ready for church, Julie and I, and she's like, you know, church is at 9.15, right? I was like, uh, no, honey. Church is at 9. 9 and 10.30. If the pastor has confused his own wife as to when we're having church, there could be a problem, right? So um, let me go through this letter real quick and explain a couple things and uh, get us kind of all simply on the same page. So um, this was not just put together by Andrew and I, the staff had input on this as well. Um, All right, let me switch gears here. We're going to turn to... 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we are going to read verse 11. The Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Let's pray. Jesus, we... uh, we come to you knowing that we, we all personally know ourselves. We know how much we need to be built up. We know how much we need to be encouraged. And I pray, Lord, this morning that as we look around and think about those among us, that we take some of our focus off of ourselves and we put it on others. You give us a heart to think, who else needs to be encouraged? Who else needs to be built up? How can you use us, Lord, to spiritually strengthen those around us? How can you use us, Lord, to proclaim this wonderful news that Jesus has come to forgive us of our sins? to sacrifice his life for us. Give us hearts of encouragement and love toward others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, Jewel and I, uh, we're big fans of the YMCA. We belong to the YMCA in Melothian. Julie's there pretty much six days a week. I'm there a couple times a week. And um, when we moved to, to Brandermill, the Swift Creek Y is a, is a little bit closer. So I decided to check out um, a spin class at, at the Swift Creek Y. And um, so um, two weeks ago, I go, and uh, it's a great class, whatnot, blah, blah, blah. And, and I come home, and Molly has also been going. And, and Molly and Julie, they're like, hey, did you meet Kevin? I'm like, what? I, I don't know. She's like, they're like, oh, no, you would know if if you met Kevin at the class. I'm like, okay, whatever. So this past week, I go and walk in the room. There's Kevin. You can't miss the guy. He is, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm so glad you're here. How's your family? Like, he's go, he goes around to every single person in the class and says something encouraging to them. Like, he's just on fire. And I'm like, okay, that's what they were talking about. That's Kevin. 
And, um, you know, we come to this verse today about building others up. You know, I don't know if Kevin's a believer or not, but like I walked away from it feeling good about myself. You know, I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. And um, we come to this, this passage about building one another up and so forth. And so um, as we get into it, though, I really want us to think uh, about a, cu- a couple of things. One, why does this verse say what it does? Okay, so um, I don't know about you, but like there's, a, there's an app on my phone, the, the Bible app, and I, I read it every day, and it's usually just one verse, right? And a lot of you read, um, read devotions, and they just have one verse to sort of start things off with. And I want you to start this habit of asking yourself, why does this verse say what it says? Because sometimes people who write these devotionals can kind of go off on what they want it to say or think it should say and not really get at the heart of why it says what it says. So let's really hit some basic points real quick to get at this passage, this verse. First question is this, what is Thessalonians? Is it a place Is it a person? Is it a thing? What is going on here? What is this strange thing called Thessalonians? Well, 1 Thessalonians, and why is it first? Why isn't it last? 1 Thessalonians is the first of two letters written by the Apostle Paul to the church in a city named Thessalonica. That's easy to say. So Thessalonica was the capital city of an area known as Macedonia. And it was a major port city on the Aegean Sea. Okay, so think um, it's uh, to, the, to the west of uh, Thessalonica is Greece. And then to the east uh, would be modern-day Turkey. And then over into the Mediterranean and so forth. So, so when you read, but when you, here's the thing. When you read through the book of Acts, if you go back through the book of Acts, you read about how pa- Paul and Silas and Timothy and Peter and other disciples traveled throughout the known world back then, right then, uh, right there, sharing the gospel and planting churches. So that's what they were doing. And so in order to continue to uh, encourage and lead these churches, Paul and others would write letters back to them explaining to them things like doctrine, uh, to encourage them in specific circumstances, uh, to give them counsel and how to deal with certain issues that had come up in their congregations. So you have these, these missionaries going out, planting churches, and the best way that they could sometimes follow up with these churches, sometimes they'd go back, but many times they'd write letters of encouragement and so forth. So I, I also think that sometimes we tend to forget how young these churches actually were. See, we live in a day and age where the church is 2,000 years old. For these friends, and specifically Thessalonica, it was a lot younger. So uh, we have to remember that the whole Christianity thing was really, really brand new to them. So scholars believe that this letter that that, that we're reading about today, 1 Thessalonians, was written around 50 A.D. Okay, so that's only 20 years after the ministry of Jesus. And that this particular church had only started just within the last five to ten years. 
So not only was it a super young church, but just like in, in general, it, everything was brand new. Um, so again, we've had centuries of understanding the scriptures. Um, we've had centuries of understanding doctrine and, and books and volumes and volumes of, of books uh, and preachers along the way. Uh, teaching us what God's Word means and how to follow Jesus. But these people had only a few years. And so they were still learning the basics of the Christian faith. And so um, when we get to this letter to the Thessalonians, um, we understand, one, that they needed to be built up in their faith, and that specifically there was one issue that they were confused about. Again, so we're trying to think about why is this particular verse saying what it says, okay? So I'm talking about context. We're trying to get to the context of this verse and the context of the passage. And if you've been in Bible study with me, you know context is king. And I will go over it and over and over and over it again, and we will not stop going over it because it helps you understand what is going on in the big picture, and we feel like if we don't understand what's going on in the big picture, and we don't understand the original meaning of the text, then our application is going to be faulty. So this, the, the issue that they were dealing with uh, was apparently the church had recently had some people die. And they were not sure what would happen to them. There seemed to be some misunderstanding about what happens to people when they die after Jesus ministry, but before his second coming. So they knew that Jesus, they knew all about his ministry. They knew that he had died and rose again from the dead and sits at the right hand of God. But they also knew that Jesus was coming back again, the second coming. And so they're confused. They're like, okay, so, you know, my uncle died. What's going to happen be to him now? We don't know. And you think, well, duh, don't you know? Again, I'm trying to explain to you. This is brand new stuff to them. They, they hadn't really been taught this. So that's what Paul is doing. He's giving them some teaching on what the second coming of Christ is going to look like, what happens to people um, when they die in this in-between time. So, um, especially since a lot of them believe that the second coming of Christ was eminent, like it was within a few years of him uh, of that he would come back. So, um, so that sort of continues to give some context. Let me continue on. If you, if you read uh, in your study Bibles, which I encourage you to get one, about themes of 1 Thessalonians, you're going to see the major th- one of the major themes is a teaching on the second coming, like we just talked about, the second coming of Christ. But I think that, while that's true, obviously, But I think one of the core issues was that they needed to continue to learn and grow. Again, because they were so young, and some of these doctrines and issues were brand new to them, they needed, what they needed was some good, solid teaching, and they needed to understand uh, what it meant to follow Jesus in some of the basic ways. So, um, in order to do that, they would need to build up one another. So if you go back to the original language, building up one another means exactly what it's saying. Okay? There's no, there's no trick here. Uh, there's no special um, 
particular meaning other than it's the process of construction, okay? So, uh, in the sense of spiritually strengthening, okay? So, Paul is saying, look, you need to build up one another. So, again, we're all in the process of construction, right? I mean, theologically, we use this fancy word sanctification, where God is causing us uh, to, to be set apart and be made more holy and more like Jesus. And it's this process that we're on, right? Where one day, when we do die and glorified, we'll be perfected. But in this life, we're in this process. And so, what happens is, is Paul is saying, look, we are the body of Christ and we all get to participate in building up one another. Construction, constructing one another, spiritually strengthening one another. That's what we're about. And so, that's what we want to talk about this morning. Uh, it's simply strengthening one another. And, you know, if you've ever built anything, you know that it takes intentional effort. You want to build a, a patio um, on your, you know, a deck patio or something in your backyard. You can't just sit on the couch and hope it's going to happen. Well, I guess you could if you could pay someone to come do it. But if you're like me, a, a DIYer, you, you got to get out there and do it. You got to go to Home Depot. You got to grab all the wood. You got to throw it in. You got to borrow somebody's trailer, which thank you for those who've let me borrow their trailer. You got you to load it up. You got to get there. You got to get out there. And it's blood, sweat, and tears putting it together. Um, but it's intentional. It just doesn't just happen on its own. And so, um, one of the reasons that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is telling the Thessalonians about this to build up one another is because some of them were choosing not to be intentional. Some of them were spiritually disengaged. Uh, we, would just, we would say they were spiritually lazy or spiritually apathetic. They were just kind of there. It's like if you just show up to church and, and that's all you do and... You're like, hey, I kind of I did my thing. I was, I was there, you know. Worship was good. Sermon was good. And then, then there's just nothing else happening in your life. There's a problem. Right? We, I mean, we're called to be spiritually engaged. So uh, some people in Thessalonica had been lulled into thinking that with a secure salvation, they didn't need to put any effort into following Jesus. So in order to motivate them, Paul reminds them of who they are and what Christ has done for them, which is, again, when you, when you read the scriptures and you're trying to learn more about what it means, watch how the people in the Scriptures do certain things. This is how Paul motivated the Thessalonians. This is how Jesus dealt with a leper. This is how Jesus dealt with a woman caught in adultery. We can see those for us. So Paul's trying to motivate them by explaining to them and reminding them who they are in Christ and what he's done for them. They're children of light and not of darkness, he says. Let's go back and read the, these, these 11 verses. So again, context. We want to understand the context. I should have done that earlier. So let's uh, put those up. So this is uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. So 
he says, now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, so the times and the seasons of when Jesus' second coming is going to happen, you have no need uh, to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Okay? Gives us a good picture to do the work, to know our identity. Um, there, you know, Paul's telling the Thessalonians that their salvation is secure in Christ, but not to allow them to just sit back and wait for Jesus to come again. Our faith is made strong and our salvation is made secure so that we would do the work that God has for us to do. The work of participating with the Holy Spirit in growing in Christ. The work of discipleship. The work of evangelism. The work of looking out for the needs of others. The work of being merciful. The work of creating a just society. And the work of walking humbly with God. So let's take a look at a few practical ways that we can build one another up and spiritually strengthen one another. Uh, The first thing is simply this, showing up in someone's life. There's nothing like the physical presence of being around someone who can encourage you. Your physical presence can be very uplifting to those you are around. And 2 Corinthians says that we are the aroma of Christ. And you've probably experienced this in your life. At least I hope you have. It was probably a time when you were discouraged or down. And one of your best friends just showed up. Maybe they just knocked on your door. Maybe they walked into your office. You know, maybe they just called you and said, Hey, you want to go out for, for a cup of coffee? And as soon as you saw them, your spirit was lifted. You were spiritually strengthened by their presence. Sometimes I will have a friend... Uh, call me at just the right time and say, hey, do you want to hang out? It's amazing how the Lord uses people in our lives. He wants us to move toward people, okay? If you sense a, a nudging to call somebody or to get together with somebody, respond to that nudging of the Spirit. Move towards that person, Get together with them. Stop by their house. Take them some flowers. Whatever it is, show up in their life. There's, there's, there's a sense of, of physical presence. Because remember, wherever we go, 
Christ goes because Christ lives in us. So if Jesus is within, in me and I go to, to meet with someone, then Jesus is there, right there. And that's what, what the, the Spirit does. He lifts up people when we show up in someone's life and move towards them. Second thing you can do is follow Paul's example in reminding people who they are in Christ and what he's done for them spiritually to speak truth to one another. You know, the passage showed us that how Paul built up the Thessalonians. He reminded them that they were children of God and that God takes care of his children. He reminded them of their sure salvation based on the work of Christ, didn't he? Not based on their own works. So one of the things I like to do is share with people biblical affirmations. I even posted a few of these uh, in the last couple weeks. But I have this, um, this uh, little piece of paper, and it has like 40 biblical affirmations. And I give it out all the time and have been doing it for, for a couple decades now, actually. And um, let me just run through a couple of these. Because not only do I want you to know what some biblical affirmations are, because I want to spiritually encourage you today. I want you to be spiritually strengthened today. But then I want to kind of give you some... Some, some ammo to use when you uh, talk to some of your friends that need that spiritual strengthening. So here's, here's what the scriptures say um, about those who are in Christ. Uh, I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. I'm a child of God, part of his family. I'm part of the true vine, uh, uh, a channel of Christ's life. I'm Christ's friend. I love that one. I'm appointed and chosen by God to bear his fruit. I'm a personal witness of Christ and for Christ. I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a son of God. God is spiritually my father. I'm a joint heir with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. I'm a temple of God, and his spirit lives and dwells in me. I am joined and united to the Lord, and I am one spirit with him. I'm a member of Christ's body. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm reconciled to God, and I'm a minister of reconciliation. I'm a saint. Imagine that. That's what God calls you, saint, because of what he's done in your life. I'm God's workmanship, created in Christ to do work that he has planned beforehand that I should do. I'm a fellow citizen with the rest of God's people and his family. I'm a prisoner of Christ. I'm righteous and holy. I'm a citizen of heaven, seated in heaven right now. I'm hidden with Christ and God. I'm an expression of the life of Christ because he is in my life. I am chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. You should get up every morning and read that verse. That's from Colossians 3.12. I am chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. I'm a son of light, not of darkness. I'm a holy brother, partaker of heavenly calling. I'm a partaker of Christ. I share in his life. I'm one of God's living stones, and I'm being built up in Christ as a spiritual house. I'm a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for God's own possession to proclaim the excellencies of him. I'm an alien and stranger in this world that I temporarily live in. I'm an enemy of the devil. I'm born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I am... A sheep of his pasture, therefore I have everything that I need. Share that with other people. You want to strengthen someone spiritually, share these truths. 
These are biblical truths. There's a verse that goes along with every one of them. I just didn't have time to, to run through that. And if you want a copy of it, just email me. I'll give it to you. Third way we can spiritually strengthen one another and build one another up can happen when we get together in small groups, Bible studies, community groups. Um, or maybe there's a, a different type of small group that you have that you get together with. Um, you've heard me say this before, but I'll say it again. You may think that the most important thing about going to Bible study or community group is what you will get out of it. But I think it's more about what you contribute to the group than anything. Because when you, you know, there's two types of people that walk, there's three types of people that walk into a room. The first type just wants to be a wallflower and not talk to anybody and everything, but we'll, we'll skip that person. There's, there's two other types of people, right? They walk into the room and they say, here I am, right? Here I am. And the second type of person walks in the room and they say, there you are, right? Which one do you kind of tend to, like, you like the person that says, there you are, right? And they walk over to you and they want to know how your family's doing and, and what's, what's going on in your life and everything. That's the people we want to be. Because when you have the mindset that you want to serve others, then the natural result will be that you're going to grow yourself. It's just natural. Seems backwards, Right? Uh, but that's how God does things sometimes. You know, the first will be last, last will be first. God likes to mix things up for us. He likes to challenge us to do things, and then he sneakily, in a backdoor way, really makes us grow through it. And it really is for our benefit, even though it was for the other person's benefit. Well, the last, the last one is that you can uh, build up one another and spiritually strengthen them when you pray for them. That's kind of obvious, but, uh, and, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but that's, that's what we should be doing, praying for one another. Um, I like to pray the scriptures back to God for people in their particular circumstance. So occasionally when I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just be reading in my own, my own devotions, and a, and a verse will strike me and about some particular issue, and I'll think, well, who else might be going through this? How can I pray this scripture back to God for these particular people, right? Um, praying with people on the spot, right? On the phone. You know, I don't know if you've been around someone that says, you know, you're talking to them and maybe bearing... Uh, something to them, and all of a sudden, they put their hand on their, your shoulder and say, right, I'm going to pray for you right now. We're in the grocery store. It's all right. You know, like, uh, you know, or something, you know. It's like really uncomfortable. I think I've told this story before, but I met with a guy. I'd never met with him before. He, he's an amazing guy. He's a connector of people in Richmond. He, he loves the Lord dearly. And we were, um, we met uh, at this Arby's um, and it was like, the, it was so busy, there were literally people standing around waiting for you to get up from your table to, um, so this was years ago, waiting for you to get up to, um, to get, to, so they could get a table to sit down and eat. 
And um, he's like, okay, let's, uh, let's just end our time in prayer. I'm like, okay. Like we're in our, like this is super busy. And then he reaches over and grabs my hands. And I'm like sweating. I'm like, this is so uncomfortable. But like, I was like, all right, Lord, whatever. You know, people are literally standing there waiting for us to finish praying so that we would leave, you know. And, uh, but it's okay, you know. Pray for people on the spot. Pray for them over the phone. And I, let me tell you, if you tell someone you're going to pray for them, make sure you go and do it. How often do we do that, right? I'm guilty of it. Um, prayer uh, is really effective in building others up and spiritually strengthening them. And it does mean a lot when you know people are praying for you. It should, because it's, it works. Prayer works. Let me just close with this story uh, of an elderly widow who was restricted in her activities. She was eager to serve Christ in some way. And after praying about it, she realized that she could bring blessing to others by playing the piano. So the next day, she placed uh, this small ad in the Oakland Tribune. Pianists will play hymns by phone daily for those who are sick and despondent. The service is free. The notice included a number to dial. When people called, she would ask, what hymn would you like to hear? And within a few months, her playing had brought cheer to several hundred people. Many of them freely poured out their hearts to her, and she was able to help and encourage them. You may feel like you're just stuck at home and you can't do anything. Well, apparently there is something that you can do. God has given you very specific gifts and talents. Spiritual gifts, natural talents, things that you have that you can do. And what he wants, not what he wants, what he expects you to do is to use those to encourage, build up, and spiritually strengthen those around you. He expects that of us. So let's live in that place. Let's live and do that with joy as, as he has built us up. Jesus has built us up. Jesus has come. He's borne all of our burdens. He has come to us to overflowing with grace and mercy. Let's freely give that to others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... Uh, we thank you for the gifts you've given us. We thank you for um, the stories of the scriptures that teach us ways in which um, you have used people throughout the ages to encourage them to worship you, to encourage them to bow down before you, to encourage them to believe and follow Jesus. Lord, help us to be those people. People that are so full of Christ, so full of joy and, and hope um, that we, we have to express it in ways of building others up and encouraging them. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.